0: Everybody. Welcome to the DC TV Podcast, episode 02, and we're going to be talking about the second episode of Gotham, uh Selena Kyle. We're also going to be reading some of your uh comments in the group, and we've got some news and uh some stuff we're looking forward to with the uh the, the premiere the other uh, DC premieres. Uh joining me this week, as last week, is Mr. Richard the Chub Toad Sheldon. Hello. And joining us on location from high atop the Avalon Ballroom, the beautiful downtown. Uh, Dallas Fort Worth area. <laughs> it's uh, Bill. You, you know him. To know him is to love him. McGonnell. How you doing, Bill? Bill the Voice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just like to say, for the record, I do not have uh, any signs of a bully yet, so I'm pretty happy about that. Ooh, dang it! Now I'm dating this podcast. <laughs>
0: and now all my and now all my internal organs have turned to liquid. Damn! Hate it when that I'll let happens. Let you know if
2: I get the sniffles. <laughs> That's why that's why you guys have me at the remote location, I'm guessing.
0: Like the, it's like the Andromeda Strain. You're <laughs> off in a bunker somewhere with Arthur Hill. There's a lot of lights buzzing oh my and, gosh. and things going off and But uh, we're not we're not here to talk about seventies uh, uh, contagion movies. Oh no, we're here to talk about DCTV. and this week's offering of D C T V in particular, Gotham, episode two. First of all, Bill, you were not here for our premiere episode, so um, you were not here to weigh in on the uh, Gotham premiere episode. So please tell me what do you think of the series uh, of the premiere of the series so far? Thoughts and views before we get a little more granular. A uh, hey, uh, very
2: top level view of this, kind of a macro uh, view, if you will. Um, I am I'm surprised by this uh, show so far. Two episodes in. Um, I know a lot of people said uh, that they thought the pilot tried to pack way, way too much stuff in. That was one of the few uh, 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 bits of criticism aimed at it, and I didn't really feel that. I mean, it felt like it moved at nearly a breakneck pace, but to me it never felt rushed. And I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I, I was hoping that it would be cool, but this is one of those that, leading up to the uh, pilot episode, I thought to myself, yeah, I'll probably watch it. And um, I think it was the day of I I finally committed to uh, throwing it on the DVR and uh, I ended up watching it, I think, later that night. Kind of fell in love with it. Kind of shocked at the uh, characterizations and just the... It almost feels like something that could be on a uh, cable network. Um, I don't know how I I feel about something that's right on the edge of... uh, being rated R, uh, showing an absolute prime time on one of the, the four over the air networks. Um, but be that as it may, uh, I think the show is, it's got a future, man. I'm, uh, I'm really pleased.
0: I, it. It's interesting that you mentioned that, especially in light of the second episode. I mean, the level of violence was definitely higher. I felt on uh, this episode than last.
2: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the two new shows I'm watching right now are Gotham and, uh, BBC's intruders. And uh, they share a common bond that they're pretty harsh, man.
0: I've heard The Intruders is kind of a slow burn.
2: Oh my gosh, it's a slow burn. Um, It's a a slower burn than the first couple episodes of True Detective. Um, It's one of those you kind of have to want to uh, watch and enjoy. And it's... Four or five episodes in, I don't know if it's just the cumulative buildup of the uh, the narrative, but uh, it's finally starting to locks are starting to clack together in the right order, and it uh, it's really interesting. I'll just say that in much the same way that uh, Gotham is interesting, um, though Gotham uh, certainly has there's a lot more. Uh, a lot more visceral payoff there's a, a lot more uh you know immediate gratification to gotham than there is to intruders
1: intruders put me to sleep by the second episode i i tried i just i couldn't
0: donnie salvo um has been donnie salvo has been pr- promoting uh, the intruders to me on on our uh, television podcast nothing's on now for a couple weeks to get me to watch it but i've been again i've been hearing mixed things like you're saying it's really great and and uh, rich is saying you know kind of putting him to sleep. That's how I felt about The Leftovers. I gave up on that after a couple episodes. I'm with you on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love the idea, but I it never once thought to myself, I've, I've got to tune into this. So, yeah, I've, I've left that one on the sidelines. But, uh, you know what? Gotham is providing enough uh, enjoyment uh, for me uh, to last probably at least two or three other shows. So I'm uh, feeling pretty
1: good about that.
0: So, Rich, what was your overall thought on the second episode, Selina Kyle?
1: You know, I I think I enjoyed this episode better than I did the first one because it, it wasn't quite as... In your face, you know, here we're going to serve everything up to you instantly. I do have a lot of issues with certain parts of this episode as well as the show as a whole. And it's strange because when I sit here and think about all the complaints I have, you would think I didn't like it. But as a sum of all its parts, I'm really enjoying Gotham. This second episode, it left me questioning, you know, a few things like... Um, you know, I wanted to get into it later, but is is uh, Fish's plaything, uh, Laszlo, is that reference to the future Professor Pig um, created by Grant Morrison? Uh, speaking of Fish, though, I even disliked her and the entire setting of her club even more this week because I had a, a serious Joel Schumacher flashback with that band. See,
0: that now that's, what, that's what you and Daryl keep saying about her. And, and, you know, I I kind of, I didn't really see it in the first episode. I just thought, okay, well, she's a little more over the top than everyone else. I didn't think she was, like, you know, chewing up the scenery or whatever. But in this episode, I think I I kind of see what you guys mean. Like, like the part where she's screaming at everyone to get out was just like, you know.
1: Yeah, it's like she went to the William Shatner uh, slash Nicholas Cage School of Acting um, and failed. You know, the other thing, too, is, is a lot of uh, my friends I've been talking to about the show, they're really disliking the way the Penguin whole thing is unflo- unfolding, um, which I don't. I actually am enjoying it. But do we, I mean, the whole thing of, you know, him going off the rails every time somebody mentions the word Penguin, that's going to get old really fast.
0: I think they're trying to establish a level of menace to the character that really, I mean, if you think about it, most people's perceptions of the Penguin are either Burgess Meredith waddling around in a campy 1960s TV show or Danny DeVito as a semi-psychotic mutant. You know, I think that, I think he's trying to really put his own stamp on the character, much the way Leon Heath Ledger did on the Joker or, you know what I mean, um, or, or, or um, Tom Hardy did on Bane. I mean, they, they, he's using the Penguin character as like a starting point for the character that he's Creating rather than trying to adhere to you know what we all expect from the penguin and uh and i kind of admire that he's really going for it in that way you know what i mean he's taking this character it's kind of a silver age joke in a lot of ways you know gimmick umbrellas and a monocle and everything and you know he's been reworked a, a couple of decent times over the years but this is uh this is an oswald couple pot we really haven't seen and carol kane in the cameo as his mom i i was so, oh, that I was awesome that, yeah. that was awesome i yeah. was just so happy to see her i was like oh my god carol kane you know Latka uh, girlfriend, you know? <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm really enjoying the Penguin story. It's
0: just that, you know, I don't know. It just seems gimmicky, the whole, don't call me Penguin. Uh, again, I just, think, I just think that's to establish a level of menace. I mean, like I said, in most people's minds, the Penguin is kind of a joke, and I think I think Robin Lloyd Taylor in this portrayal is really trying to prove that Penguin is no joke.
1: Well, that ending scene with him in the trailer looking up yeah. at his little collage of stuff, that was... I, I, I put a little tingle in my spine, a little chill down the back, you know? it—it it, You definitely see the level of psychotic there. I can't decide...
2: Uh, thank you. I can't decide if, uh, uh, if they're trying to make him a pathetic character or a dangerous character. Somehow, it, it kind of seems like... He's straddling the line because he's certainly uh, been picked on by everybody who he's dealt with. Um, It's kind of amazing that he hasn't met one person yet who, you know, except maybe the farmer in in episode two, but uh, um, he really hasn't met anybody yet who hasn't kind of pushed him around, uh, you know, from the the very stereotypical, hey, let's have the college kids pick him up and, you know, mess with him while they're driving around. It's like, what's the movie? Oh, it's a comedy where they... They they pick the uh, they pick the guy up. He's in the backseat. Fair and loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, Johnny Depp and uh, Del Toro. Right. Um, they pick up a guy and, yeah. and uh, oh yeah. And that uh, that poor guy is uh, he's ready to jump out of a uh, moving car. You know, uh, it, it, like that. That I kind of wish that people would stop picking on him. It's like just because he has uh, a very pale complexion and a, and a large nose and he's willing to you know. Apparently, start out being nice to someone, you know. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, kick him in the stones, you know, uh, emotionally uh, every chance you get. Um, you know, some people, uh, some people are like that. And apparently, the penguin is uh, uh, having the the poor luck of running into uh, every single one of them uh, out there in his travels. Well,
0: I mean, you say uh, you make the point but, that you don't know whether he's trying to we should pity him or think he's dangerous. I think it's both. I mean, think about characters like like yeah, Norman Bates or. Um, or, you know, uh, Gomer a uh, um, uh, D'Onofrio's character, in Full Metal Jacket, or, you know, that kind of character that just gets picked on, you know, one too many times, and then, you know, Danger. You know what I mean? I think, I think he's trying, it, again, it's a subtle performance. He's trying to play it both ways. He, w- he wants you to feel sorry for him. I mean, he's kind of, you know, he's not deformed, but he's not like, you know, normal, quote-unquote. And, uh, you know, he, he has right. that pitiable side to him, but end, like I said, like Norman Bates or whatever, there's that dangerous side, and it can turn on a dime. And I think, I think that's what makes the character interesting. You know, like when those guys for well, for example, when they guys first pick him up in the car, he's being very gracious. You know, why well, thank you? You know, and oh, this you know that I mean, the car, having a cold beer with my new friends, blah 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 blah. And then you know, boom, you know, thirty seconds later, he's got one jabbed in the jugular and the other one duct taped in the, tr- you know, the in the back of the truck. So I think you know they're they're establishing him, you know it's pitiable and uh, you know you feel sorry for him, but also very dangerous you know and i think that's a that's a cool way to play this character we really haven't seen that you know way of, of playing this character what, what got me about this episode though you know the episode's called selena kyle she's not really in it that much like she's in at the beginning and then at the end where she gouges the guy's eyes out and then she talks to gordon but like all through that middle part we get everyone else you know i i expected you know i don't know i mean coming into it with the title of the episode being selena kyle i thought it'd be centered around her
1: I, I, I thought well, I we didn't... got enough of of her to to satisfy me anyway. What what I'm what I'm I want to address is a lot of people have been have been posting and talking about the fact that she goes by Cat, and it's kind of over the top, it's kind of campy, it's kind of you know in your face. But if you think about it, if you go back to the early issues of Detective Comics and that where she first starts to come around that's what she went by selena kyle's nickname was cat uh i i think that you know there's a lot of things that they're sticking to some trueness uh some of the truth of the silver age and i think that that's it and i loved the whole gouging the guy's eyes out you you know it makes me wonder is she wearing some kind of claw things on her fingers or did she just bluntly
0: well, it's like, you know, sometimes you'll pet a cat, and the pet cat will let, let you pet it, like, two dozen times, and on the 25th time, will attack, you know what I mean? So, it's kind of like right. that in, that um, inexplicable part of, of our feline nature. I didn't have any problem with it, and most people I've seen griping about it have just been like, you know, oh, cat, we get it, okay, cat one, blah, 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 but I, I didn't have a problem with it at all, especially, I mean, all of her crew on the street all had different names, like Soldier, and... Uh, things like that so it kind of fit with the rest of the, her group so i really didn't, it, well, it didn't bother that's me at how all tween kids
1: are i mean tween kids have nicknames for each other and they go by them and all that kind
0: of. well i mean stuff she's there. telling people to call her cat too and that's definitely like a tween thing to do is like you know picking your own nickname right. and trying to get people to call you that what about lily taylor and uh the doll maker this whole like uh this whole um side you know story now about them kidnapping till you know first of all you get two of my favorite character actors frank whaley and Lily Taylor as these, like, really creepy kind of, you know, now you've been a very bad girl, you know, but I, their performances is really weird. Like at one point they seemed like they were kind of campy and then they'd turn and then they'd be shooting someone in the head. You know what I mean, like you've been a very naughty girl and now I'm going to have to kill, you know what I mean?
1: It was really dynamic in the way that they portrayed those, those characters. Like you said, it was just up and down, like one scene. And, and it, it just makes me wonder, you know, are there, are there personality disorders there? I mean, obviously they're not exactly right in the head. Um, I was a little disappointed. I expected to kind of see the Dollmaker at some point by the end of the episode. But, um, you know, what, what I find interesting is, you know, is this going to, is this like a little nod, a little hint that uh, we do have continuity between Arrow and, and Gotham? You know, because we've seen the Dollmaker's kid show up on
0: era. And uh, somebody posted a picture, and I'm not sure if it was legit or not on the internet, that showed the Queen uh, corporate logo in one of the shots of Gotham City. Now, I looked for it when I watched the episode, and I did not see it.
1: Yeah, I saw that picture as well, um, and I haven't had to go... I'm in a hotel this week, so I haven't had a chance to go back and watch the episode a second time. I had to watch it live. So I didn't catch it when I watched it, but I'm gonna when I go back and watch it again, I definitely will look for that.
0: What'd you think? What'd you think, Bill? I've
1: been a comics fan my entire life. Batman is one of those
2: I've followed my entire life, but I have had huge black periods where I've not followed his individual title or titles, and so I'm I'm I can't tell how much, uh, and maybe this makes me more uh, uh, regular uh, watcher of the show, someone who's not you know versed in the very you know granular you know minutia of the sh- of the the Batman canon. But I'm trying to figure out, um, you know, uh, this, uh, this fish lady, you know, is, is this something that she's has been made up specifically for the show, or was it in one of the titles 15, 20 years ago, or, or last month? Um, Lily Taylor and uh, Frank, uh, um, really? you know, who are just... They they thank you yeah I, it's swimming with sharks uh um, he gets a lifetime pass from me oh, on oh I mean that one. he's been in so but, many uh, things
0: it's crazy like and Lily Taylor too I mean her last thing she was just on was almost human uh, with Michael Urie and Carl uh, Urban she was their captain yep. uh, she was great she's great she's created but, everything pretty much but. to me
2: those those two I mean uh, throw the penguin in throw throw any character we've seen in uh, those two are the creepiest uh, those two radiate the most evil. Um, the, the penguin is off his rocker, bat stuff, insane. You know, that, that's fairly obvious. Those two, man, it's like, you know, what are they, are they brother and sister? Are they just, you know, were they both brainwashed by the same person? Uh... You know, I, I We don't know what their motivations are yet, and it, it's a, a, kind of a real freak out. It's the one thing in the show that it kind of feels uh, really out of place is the wrong term because uh, it plays well uh, in these first two episodes, uh, what these two are doing. Um, I guess it just lends a lot of credence to the fact that I wasn't really expecting this show to be uh, so much, a, you know, it feels like an ensemble cast show. You know, there's so much going on that they don't have, you know, more than a scene at a time to spend on, you know, one set of characters. So, you know, even, even uh, uh, Jim and his, uh, his his dirty sidekick, uh, you know, they're, they don't have a bigger role than anybody else in the show so far. It's really an interesting way to piece this thing together
0: i think if you're gonna if you're gonna tell this story you know of you know gotham without a batman then i think that's the way to go you know what i mean is to focus on actually i mean you have your anchor characters of jim gordon and harvey bullock but then you're you're focusing on the city more itself than you are two or three guys or whatever and you're right it is very much an ensemble piece and i'm like i'm liking that as well about it um as far as what you said before fish mooney's new to the series she's not from the comics uh, at all okay um, and I re- and unwelcomed by me <laughs> and um, and I really <laughs> uh, like I said that the Lily Taylor and, and Frank Whaley performances were like they were like this weird mix of like total camp and total menace like they were yes. like they were I don't know it just it was really cool and I know you don't say out you you know you say it, um, you know not out of place or whatever but it was just so odd in relation to everything else going on that it really stood out me anyway and so
2: do they have a uh, a history from uh the floppies or are they another creation of the tv
0: show
1: the doll maker the Dollmaker was in the comics yes. i mean i remember way back I'm pulling in up the, the wiki
0: right now there's three different three different super stuff. villains named the doll maker there was one in plastic man in the 60s there's one in supergirl yeah. in 2011 and then a detective comics number one in the nude 52 there was a third doll maker
1: well, that's the Dollmaker in the New 52. There was actually a crossover, or not crossover, but there there was a lot of involvement between the Dollmaker and Professor Pig. Um, well, that would make which, sense. It, which is, you know, I, I'm pretty sure who's, who that Laszlo is going to be. So.
2: Yeah, I, um, you guys uh, sent a link uh, earlier today, uh, the uh, season teaser, the trailer, I guess, and uh, I have not watched that yet. Um, I, I, don't know if I'm ready to have, uh, uh, the rest of the, uh, uh, the rest of the season, um, spoiled, uh, for lack of a better, better word. I uh, haven't, I haven't watched it either not.
0: for the, pretty much the same reason.
2: And I've always been one of those people that, uh, I, you know, if it showed up on my computer, I might go ahead and watch it. Um, but I, have never been the kind of person to hunt out spoilers. I, I, I kind of like to, uh, uh, you know just get on the roller coaster and enjoy the ride um you know without knowing exactly where it's headed um so i don't know i i might not the way these episodes are constructed so far two episodes in, i realize it kind of makes you wonder uh, uh where the arc is going to establish itself is this going to be uh again a truly ensemble thing where there are a half dozen storylines all kind of running in parallel to each other Um, or is everything going to kind of dovetail into one master storyline? I just, uh, um, just have, uh, no earthly idea. Um, but I think one of the things I like about this is it's, it's just interesting. And it, to me, it feels different right now. I mean, there, there's no other show on that has this, uh, that has this complexity. Um, and, and I'm not watching, um, uh, I, I'm sure there's uh, shows out there. Like, I've never watched uh, Boardwalk Empire. Um, something like that may, uh, you know, th- this may almost be aping something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, not for, even for what I've been watching, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I realize that they're both period pieces, and that may be where the similarities end. You know, I, I gave up on police procedurals uh, a long, long time ago, and um, so maybe this is just kind of... Uh, uh, me dipping my toes back in the the waters of uh, um, a police procedural that's uh, loosely tied enough to comic books that uh, that I can uh, I, I can take it, um, but I, I appreciate the fact that the episodes um, are not uh, uh, one-offs, uh, at least not yet, uh, and I get the impression that uh, that this show is going to be all about the arc, and they're hopefully. Will be little or none uh, of the uh, standalone apps. Uh, I, I can't imagine how they would do a standalone app right now. So you know, I think that maybe uh, we'll will escape that fate.
1: Well, I, I think it's I think it's what you said. It's multiple arcs uh, ending up into probably one overarching storyline. Um, what's really cool is it seems like even though some of them are very much in the fanboy's face, uh, they're planting a lot of seeds that they can, you know, do something with now. They can incorporate it into the current arcs, or they could, you know, it could be something two seasons down the road that, that blossoms into something. Um, I just, the, my only thing is is, is, is like with every arc or every little story that's going on, every plot point, There's both reasons I love them and then reasons that they just don't make sense to me. Like, I I really love the dynamic between uh, Bullock and, 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 and Gordon. I, I, I like the actors. I think they're playing it very well. The scene where uh, Bullock's beating the guy with the phone book is absolutely priceless. I loved it.
0: This is my partner. He doesn't like me beating up on anybody, but he doesn't, but he doesn't mind me beating up on you. Now, what does that say about you? <laughs> That's one of my, <laughs> my favorite problem. lines in the whole the whole episode.
1: Yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> but here's the thing is, is 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 Gordon's level of trust of Bullock is, is up and down. I mean... Last episode, he you know he has to fake killing uh, Cobblepot just to keep himself alive um, because Bullock would have offed him under orders if he didn't do it. But he's comfortable enough this episode without very little hesitation telling Bullock, yeah, yeah, it was my girlfriend that called into the papers about the kids being. Uh, the homeless kid's disappearing. You know, it, it just seemed kind of a little too trusting for that relationship at this point. But all that aside, it's trumped by the, the phone book beating scene. I just, I <laughs> loved it. But, but that's kind of what I'm seeing in a lot of the different little story plot lines. is just one end of the spectrum. It's some great scenes, but the other end, some of it just doesn't quite make sense.
0: I think the scripts are a little uneven. Um, there are all of the eight episodes that they've done so far have all been uh, written by the showrunner Bruno Heller. Um, this episode was co-written, oddly enough, by Ben Evland, who you might know as the creator of The Tick and one of the contributing writers on The Venture <laughs> Brothers. So I don't know how he got this gig, although he has worked on Supernatural, so he's no stranger to you know episodic television you know, with serious uh, drama or whatever. I think you know having one person write. All eight episodes gives it a certain continuity of of style or whatever, but I think also you know, we get the what you're talking about where some of the plot points make more sense than others um, because they're trying to keep a lot of you know, plates spinning all at once. Um, I think, but in a lot of cases, for me anyway, the, the the excellence of the cast really sells the weak parts of the script for me. I Um, agree with that. I mean, this is like a character actor's who's who, if you look at the cast of this show. I mean, starting with Ben McKenzie and Donald love all the way down to, I mean, they got John Doman, who, you know, as as Carmen Falcone, and all these actors that, even if you don't know the faces, I mean, if you don't know their names, you would definitely recognize their faces. You know, Frank Whaley and Lily Taylor in this episode, or, you know, Richard Kind as as the mayor, you know. I mean, he's been in a million different things. Um, it's just really, um, it's it has it's almost like The Walking Dead in that respect, where the script falters, the cast is strong enough to carry it, at least in my opinion so far.
1: Especially when it comes to Bruce Wayne, I loved. I mean, it was so screwed up, it but, but so telling. Him sitting there listening to Cradle of Filth, drawing his pictures and all that stuff, and the just. <laughs> I mean, I really like what they're doing with Bruce Wayne, that, that he's not. There's definitely a couple of loose bricks in his wall, you know, and he's obviously been affected by what's happened to him. But at the same time, it's forcing him to question things at an earlier age than most people would question mm-hmm. things. And and. I I absolutely love it. I think the casting of the kids in this has been really great. Uh, I can't think of her name, but the girl that's playing Selena Kyle, I think she's fantastic. And I also, I didn't really come to this conclusion in the first episode, but after this episode, she looks so much like a young Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And uh, she has Yeah, definitely. Especially with her eyes set apart like that. Her name's Cameron Bukendova. And this is pretty much, you know, other than modeling, the first thing she's done acting was. Um, I know. I thought she was really good as Cat. Even you know, even the kid actor, the the, um, the kid who got stabbed and then was trying to tell them all, all the kids are being abducted. Or you know, the like I mentioned before, the little you know cameo by Carol Kane. I mean, they really, you know, the scripts overall are pretty strong and have a few like spots here and there, like you're saying, Rich. But I think you know the strength of the cast has really sold it for me. Uh, when when that has been the case, at any rate. I tell
2: you, the thing that uh, surprised me was that uh, this. Uh, uh... Cameron Bicandeva, um, she is 15. I mean, she's not playing a 15-year-old. She really is a 15-year-old, um, born in 1999. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Save me, I was in my, my 30s. <laughs> yes, I was in my 30s in 1999. She uh, she was uh, a fetus. Um, pretty amazing. Um, and uh, uh, Winna Barbet. Uh, she's also part of the. Uh, uh, all, all girl dance group, eight Flavaz
0: Flavaz, so, Okay. You know,
2: Flavaz, so, uh, you know, win that bar bet and impress your friends with that. I dare you. That's okay. <laughs> I think it's interesting how, um, uh, the, uh, showrunner and director, uh, I, you know, is this going to be one of those where Danny Cannon directs pretty much every episode? I kind of get that impression. Oh, uh, he's got two episodes
0: um, done. Uh, TJ Scott has done two and Dermot Downs has done one. Okay. Uh, but Danny Cannon yeah, and Bruno Heller are really the ones who, who developed the idea. So he's really been very hands on. Gotcha.
2: Well, it, it's odd that, um, that there are a couple of Brits. They, uh, they're, they're both from, uh, from Mary Old and, uh, um, for a show about, uh, the fake New York city, um, Interesting that uh, they find a couple of.
0: Uh... Well, it's not the first time. I mean, Watchmen is the best comic about American comics ever written. It was written and drawn by two Brits, and I mean, uh, you know, Garth Ennis Hellblazer or you know, American Gothic by Alan Moore. I mean, it's I mean, it's, I mean, right. they have an outside perspective. You know, America sold like a mythology to them from childhood. So, it's. Definitely for, well, you know, for them to mythologize yeah, when they get older, I guess.
2: And I've always, you know, of course I am, uh, I'm, I'm more British than I am anything else, uh, being the Northern European mutt that I am. Um, but, uh, I've always been biased. I, I think that, uh, I think that if it comes from Britain, um, uh, other than, uh, the political system, it's, uh, pretty much rock solid. <laughs> and, uh, I just, I, give me, uh, give me British music, give me British literature, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm I'm a known apologist for uh, for Grant Morrison and Abnett and Lanning and and uh, you know the 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 scores of comic book talents uh, from Britain who come over you know um, uh, Warren Ellis etc etc you know guys that just they make it look easy and uh, I, I've I've always uh, always been kind of impressed uh, for some reason. Uh, seeing the uh the, the made in england stamp is always kind of a sign of approval uh for me so you know, I, I don't mean that in any kind of i'm not trying to throw a blanket over it i mean you know surely you know people from britain can do things that are awful um you know um
0: taxation without representation how about how about ta- i <laughs> how about that? i
1: i have to agree with you bill i'm i'm pretty much a, a, anything that comes from from the old country is uh is pretty good.
0: <laughs> you know why? Do you know why? Because we all grew up watching Monty Python. That's why. Yep. As Thank all, you. Because we grew Monty up P- watching P- Monty Man. Python, and at some point our teens discovered the Beatles. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, because, uh, actually, that's where I
1: have to disagree, because to me the Beatles are nothing but the boy band of the 60s. minus is Sergeant Peppers. That was it. I, I'll oh, give them Sergeant Peppers. Oh, oh. But other than that, <laughs> I've <laughs> never <laughs> been a Beatles I really fan. want to
0: introduce you to a friend of mine. Anyway, um... <laughs> uh, so, thumbs up on the episode, guys, overall?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I mean, yes. out of five, I'd give it like a three and a half. Excellent.
0: We had a wow. few people in the uh, the Facebook group uh, join in with some comments. And, by the way, if you'd like to join our Facebook group, it's very easy to do. It's DCTV Podcast, oddly enough, as this is the name of the show. And uh, we, uh, after two shows, we're 54 members strong. So, let's keep building that up. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Nice. Uh, you know, Knock on doors. Wake the neighbors rattle pots and pans don't do any of those things just let people know it's a good podcast about good tv um we have some comments in our group adam fatah who's a regular uh emailer and commenter on the on the tv podcast that i do nothing's on on the taylor network wrote in i want to say for an episode that was called selena kyle it was not enough selena kyle <laughs> and there was no backstory for her how she ended up being a street kid well i, I was fine with that you know they can fill that yeah. in later if they have to um, I do like your nickname, Cat. It was a decent episode. I give it a three out of five.
2: Hey, um, I'm, uh, I'm, since we're talking about Selina, uh, the one thing that has really struck me um, is the fact that, uh, is there any version of the Batman canon where Selina Kyle saw the murder of Bruce's parents? I no, no, I don't think so. This
1: is okay. the first time that there's ever been anything other than Bruce's parents and the, the killer. It involved in right. Alley. So.
0: Mm. That is a major change.
1: And, and and I was thinking, I thought about this after we recorded last week, I, I do wish, and it's just stupid me, but I do wish that when Bruce had talked about they were coming from the theater, he would have mentioned Zorro, but mm. you know. That's
0: well, something weird. I've noticed they've done, they've kind of taken the Tarantino route really not placed a time on this story, you know what I mean? Like, you really... I mean, they're driving like big '70s cars, yet they have cell phones, and you know, it's kind of the it's
1: well, kind of the yeah, Tarantino that,
0: thing where it's not that, really set in a, in a specific time. It seems to me.
1: That's the police cars look like something from like late '80s. Some of them even look late '70s, like you mm-hmm. said. But yet, like the car that uh, Cobblepot carjacks, that's like a looks like a 2008.
0: Yeah, it's like a real mix of time periods, and I think that's what they're trying to go for. It's like not having a specific, you know, you can't say this is set in modern day or this is set in the 90s or, or anything.
1: Well, and I like that I because that gives them the ability to uh, be creative without somebody going, "Oh, that couldn't have been because at that time, la right. la, la, la la." Well, no, now it's you know this is uh, this is you know this is Earth Two, people. <laughs> this is something completely different.
0: <laughs> it's the same way with The Walking Dead. That's what I've always said. It's like an alternate universe version because it's so different from the comic. Right.
1: Yeah, and
2: I'm totally okay with them having kind of an amorphous date uh, on the show. Um, and that was one of the first things I noticed was, wait a minute, it looks like they're driving like a 1978 Ford whatever, you know, cop car, you know, it's, it looks like something that, you know, McLeod should be getting, oh, well, I guess he rode a horse, but, um, you know, it looks like something that, you know, you know, Cannon or Ironside or somebody, you know, you know, you know uh, Columbo would be getting out of, but yet, Almost everything else about the show feels uh, fairly modern. You know, even the uh, the the club, Fish's club, feels like it has a, a, a consciously retro feel to it. You know, just uh, the 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 fashions and stuff are certainly the hairstyles are certainly as modern as mm-hmm. it gets. Um, you know, Fish's you know the. You know, she's got that very short, straight hairdo with the, the red tips. You know, you never would have seen anything like that, you know, when this show otherwise would have had to have uh, been aired. And, and it's odd uh, that you guys uh, uh, threw a little, little connecting, uh, uh, connecting tissue between uh, uh, Gotham and Arrow. I had no idea that there was even uh, consideration that they might be inhabiting the There's same, really not. Uh,
0: universe. There's really not. Uh, we're just kind of looking. We okay. could, we're just kind of looking. Yeah, we're just kind of seeing things okay. there, maybe. Yeah,
1: we're just speculating.
0: Yeah. But that's what's
1: really nice about this whole thing with the the fuzziness of the time period, is whether they plan to or they are not planning to connect all these shows into a single universe, by doing it the way they're doing it and with this setting is that possibility is there down the road.
0: Um something we mentioned on the last episode Bill is that um they they're planning a, a Titans show on TNT and uh oh. a, a one hour, you know, live action show based on the Titans. And TNT and CW are both owned by Warner Brothers. So conceivably and the showrunner for the new Titans show did say this, they could try out characters in the Titans show and then spin them off to the Arrow or Flash show. And that those three shows could possibly be connected. But as far as Gotham, Gotham's on a, that's Gotham's on a different network. Um, and as we said, kind of an amorphous time period, so I doubt it is going to be able to cross over. And Constantine is on a different network still. And uh, still, I don't think that would cross over either. We talked about this more in depth on our last episode, so I don't want to go too deep into it now. Again, okay. you know, I don't want to cover the same ground. But you know, uh, conceivably, Arrow, Flash, and Titans could all cross over.
2: I've not caught up on Arrow yet, which makes me sad. That, that's one of those that... Uh... Um, you know, oh, hey, Zoe and I will uh, we'll catch up on it together, and then, you know, a weekend goes by and it's like, oh, dang it, we didn't Well, uh, stick we didn't around,
0: I got a news and, item for uh, you that yeah, you'll yeah, be we... very interested in, if you have Netflix Oh, no, good. Bad, good
2: Fantastic, I I do have Netflix, and I hope it's a good note, because I'm into it
0: The other, uh, We got one more comment on Gotham really quick before I move on to the other shows It's from good. Patrick Tony, a member of that uh, Taylor Network's uh, Facebook group, and uh Friend of the show, those child abductors were way too cartoony. See, I thought that was kind of giving them a creepy edge that I liked, but I could see—I could see—I
3: I could see his dude. point.
0: Um, rolled my eyes at Cobblepot getting mad at being called Penguin again. Well, that's the point you made earlier, Rich. Um, is Selina going to see all the crimes yeah. in Gotham? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Only the ones that are um, convenient to the plot, Patrick. Um, <laughs> her nickname being Cat was dumb. Well. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, why are they focusing on Bruce Wayne again? Well, you know, Jim Gordon and Bruce Wayne are kind of making a bond, and, uh, you know, he's definitely going to be part of the show. You know, they're not doing Batman, so showing Bruce Wayne in two back to back episodes isn't necessary.
2: I was under the impression that uh, Bruce
1: would be part of that on stage. Yeah, that's kind out. of what I thought, I mean. too.
0: Um,
1: I thought the point of this was to, you know, have everything, you know, we're seeing the Gordon origin and everything like that but i thought part of the reason for this show was also to watch the evolution of bruce wayne from a young child um you know up to the point where he Mm -hmm. dons the suit you know we may never see that but um i thought that was the point
0: i think it was i think it is part of the point and that's um i mean i could obviously see there being uh, uh episodes without bruce in them but for now i think it's you know it's pretty important to the ensemble story you know
2: we're uh, we're two episodes in, and uh, I guess this is a good thing that I'm already wondering, will this sh- you know, could the show possibly actually get its five year run or its seven year run or or whatever uh, um, six seasons of movie, uh, canon or yeah, you know, whatever they're hoping to get out of it. Um, I just uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how everything evolves and how obvious, you know, it gets because right now, you know, we're getting, you know, it's all clues and foreshadowing right now. You know, when nobody knows that, nobody knows that Kyle Pot is the penguin yet because he's not. And nobody knows that Nigma is the Riddler yet. Cause he's not. And, and you know, how I'm very will much they digging be, on Nigma You know, oh my gosh, I, I, I love his character so far and I want more screen time for him.
1: When he first shows up, in this episode and he's kind of curved and looks kind of like a question mark i mean just that that was so subtle yet right in your face and and i don't know i just (laughs) i I love that hey i got a question for you bill Uh, yes because we didn't touch on it i don't think in this discussion tonight and that is uh, i'm curious about it because i have a pretty strong opinion is what is your opinion on um alfred
2: i'm uh i'm I think it, it's growing on me. Um, I'm, I, I, read a little bit about it, uh, after the fact that, um, with the, uh, the, the, was it the earth one or the earth two? Uh, um, I'm trying to remember which, uh, universe it's in. Um, you had the Superman, uh, earth one. Was that it? Uh, the one, um, uh, the one done by, was it Str- Straczynski yeah. and, um, yeah, Straczynski uh, did that. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, you had the Batman uh, Earth One, and was it in that, or was it, or has there been a Batman in Earth Two? Well, Batman was killed in uh, the very beginning of the Earth Two uh, comic run, but apparently there there is a pre- the point is there is a precedent for the way uh, Alfred is treating slash dealing with Bruce, uh, being the uh, the stern disciplinarian, you know, quit your crying boy, you know, kind of uh, attitude. Uh, as opposed to the Michael Caine, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I love you so much, you know, I've, I've, you know, I'm tearing up, and now I'm gonna have to leave you, kind of thing. Um, this, this Alfred is never going to leave Bruce. Um, he might kick the ever living stuffing out of Bruce, uh, I think, before he would ever uh, decide to uh, to leave him.
0: Well, I know, I know, what you're talking about the Earth One One Shot. Alfred was like a, he was like a member of the SAS or something. Okay. He was like some, he was like some tactical, uh, uh, badass of some sort. He was the one who trained Bruce in like hand-to-hand combat to start with.
2: Yeah. But basically, yeah, basically his attitude to Bruce
1: is quit whining, you know, get off the floor, you, you, you loser. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't mind him being, I don't mind him being stern with Bruce or anything like that. And, and, and being a little heavy handed, I get that, but. I don't know. I just I, I feel that for somebody who's suddenly having to take care of a child who just watched his parents get brutally murdered in front of him, uh, he could ease up just a bit. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I just I I guess I, when I think of Alfred, I think of you know from the earlier comics, um, you know, and then of course uh, from the the '66 show, and then Michael Gough and. And, and, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I don't like the but, way he's being portrayed. I love that actor though. I just don't like the way they're portraying him.
2: As a, uh, as he's clearly British and that is a very classically British, uh, attitude, you know, the stiff upper lip and, uh, you know, your emotions should be kept in check and, you know, this is serious, you know, quote unquote, um, you know he's uh, he's not a joker. He uh, no pun intended. He uh, you know he's a, a veteran. Um, you know he's he's not here. He's not here to screw around and throw out warm fuzzies. And uh, I, I think that um, that in a lot of cases, you know if you know if we had grown up in Britain with fairly stereotypical parents, you know there's not a lot of overt. Uh, you know, touchy-feely love coming from the father to, uh, especially the sons. Uh, You know, they're expected to be molded.
0: Plus, I mean, this Alfred might be, I mean, in in canon, you know, didn't uh, Alfred's father also serve Bruce, Bruce Wayne's family, and like, their families have been intertwined for generations, or...
1: Right, I think the uh, pennyworths go. Right. I think the pennyworths go back to the early days right. of Gotham, back in the late eighteen hundreds.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, I, there's that whole scene where you know where he's telling you know uh, Gordon that his father expected him to you know find his own way and that he's a Wayne after all and stuff. So, you know, he's. I think he's. This Alfred seems to be more bound to duty than to Bruce, in some ways, to me anyway. I mean, I don't know. We haven't seen the character a whole lot so.
1: Yeah, maybe once they get a little deeper into the character, uh, it'll be different for me. It's just initial reaction is, whoa, that's not the Alfred I'm used to. But, you know, hey, that's what's nice about this show is they are going a different direction. It's just, I'm, I don't know, I just, I'm a bit uncomfortable watching.
2: And one thing I would like to give uh, these show uh, creators a lot of credit for is the fact that every character is remarkably different from everybody else there's 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 no homogeneity is that even a word i think the the one example i will always come back to probably until i'm dead of old age is the whole next generation thing you start out with a bunch of characters that are very different and by the end of the run all the characters have become so homogenous that you almost can't tell them apart i don't think that they will do that with this show and and i just again i'd like to compliment them in uh, coming up with such such starkly different and so far pretty, in my humble opinion, fairly rich characterizations, considering that you know no one character has gotten more than about I don't know, you know, 15 minutes of screen time you know in, in between the two episodes so far. Um, you know, it's a it's quite a juggling act those guys are doing, and and again I I, I don't know what I expected out of this show. But I can tell you that I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I have so far. Not to say that it's perfect, uh, you know. It's I'm not ready to put it up there with uh, Farscape and Star Trek: The Original Series yet. But um, uh, but this thing, I think, has got a future. Uh, again, it makes me wonder, you know, uh, do the showrunners have a vision, you know? Or are they like uh, you know Lindelof and Q's, You know, it's like, man, I have no idea how this uh, how this Lost thing is going to end up, or you know. Or is it more like a Straczynski in Babylon 5? where I've got the entire series plot out from beginning
1: to end right now.
0: I, I hope it's the Straczynski model. I really do. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh my gosh, yes. I'm, but I, I'm hoping so, just based on the amount of money that's been sunk into this show. I mean, it's yeah. there's been a lot invested, so I would hope that at least for the first two to three seasons, they've got a good idea of where they're headed.
2: And I, uh, I really, I hope, I hope, 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 hope. I have not seen... Uh, I haven't looked for. I haven't seen any kind of uh, uh, ratings well, uh, feedback on this show yet. But man, I hope that
0: uh, Gotham opened really strong last week. Uh, even though it was in the same time slot as another show that's doing uh, pretty well too, the CBS's new show Scorpion. It only dropped about. It only dropped about 13% from okay. last week, which is a really short. Small drop in, in comparison to most shows, and it, it it's a it's a three day DVR uh, ratings put it over That's... Blacklist, which is you know airing in the same spot as well. So it um it yeah it averaged a two point eight rating each year in adults seventy seven point three million viewers overall down thirteen percent from the premiere. Um, the DVR playback numbers are adding an average of two ratings points to each, wow, that's, um, that's solid. each episode of Gotham. It brought it to a 5.0 and it edged past the blacklist as the night's top drama in the demo. For, for a premiere show, that's um, at, with, know, right it's not there. a spinoff of something you know, else. I, am... um, I mean, it's a spinoff of the Batman property, but I mean, it's a new original IP. Um, yeah, that's huge. And it doesn't have initials in front of it. It doesn't have CSI or NCIS in front of it. I'm shocked.
2: Right. Yeah, so, um, I mean, you, like you said, you, you can't call this a truly original concept because clearly it's not. But, um, but yeah, this is, uh, you know, and this, uh, I, I, I'm starting to wonder, uh, you know, a few years ago people were saying, hey, we're living, right now is the golden age of TV.
0: Well, I mean, if you think about it, they're right. I mean, has has the dramatic level of television ever been this high? I mean, think about Breaking Bad or The Sopranos or Boardwalk Empire or The Wire or, you know, I could name another dozen shows. Yeah. Monday night is a very weird night though. I mean some um, because there are a lot of popular shows all on Monday night. The new Scorpion show, like I mentioned, The Voice, which is a hugely popular, you know, music competition show. Um The Blacklist, which, you know, not only it's a yes. very popular show, but, you know, it's uh, something that Netflix is banking on being very popular. NCIS CIS Los Angeles, you know, all these shows are on Mondays. So, for them to put Gotham there, they must, A, believe in it a lot, and, B, it's going to have to keep having a strong show and do even keep its head above water.
2: Well, and um, just to go off on a, just a... you making a slight detour? Slight no. detour around So unlike that. you, Bill. Um, it, I know, I know. This is actually going to be Unheard subtle. of. I think. I think. Bear with me. Um, is Monday or Sunday or Tuesday, etc., etc.? Yeah. Et are one of these the new Thursday? Because Thursday has always been the night, you know, the night of the week. Uh, it's either Thursday or Sunday night. Um, but now that the NFL has encroached upon Sunday nights, you know, a few years back, and as um, as well as Thursday. And the NFL is now sucking up uh, Thursday nights for everybody, you know, do you think that... Um, TV shows, uh, including Gotham, uh, are going to take a clue and say, you know what, um, unless we're counter-programming football, unless it's, you know, like, I fully expect Grey's Anatomy to stay on Thursday nights. I fully expect that. But do you think that a lot of shows that might appeal to uh, the, uh, the the football-loving demographic, you know, the I mean, it's...
0: You know, football stretches across more aisles. Than- well, not to add a tangent to your tangent, but with all the problems the NFL's having, leaving there, uh, have been having lately, they've had a steady decline in viewership. I mean, the Thursday Night Football is not the you know ratings juggernaut it once was. Yes, yeah. and uh, okay.
1: I'll tell you, I'm not watching football as much as I used to, and it's not just because of the problems the NFL's having. It's also because. They've dumbed down the sport. I mean, <clears throat> you 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 put a finger up towards a quarterback and your a flag's thrown. So I don't know the, the the unraveling of the sport. I think is also losing
0: and and they're losing a lot of their audience to things like wrestling and MMA. And other, I mean, especially young kids coming up, you know, are, are more intrigued by those kind of things than they are watching football in a lot of cases.
1: And I mean, I w- I would have never. Never thought Big Bang Theory was going to move off of Thursday. That was a CBS cornerstone mm-hmm. on Thursday right there. And they moved it to Monday this year. I mean, a lot a lot of stuff is being moved to Mondays and Fridays, of all things. It's like they're really trying to, to bring in the Friday night telev- television-watching crowd, which is kind of odd because, that you know, you used to have... This, TGI uh,
0: Fridays, man. Um,
1: ABC Watch. Fun Fridays or whatever it was. and uh, Yeah, you know... And then all of a sudden, TV watching on Fridays went away because Fridays became the night that you went out. You did things like that. But, you know, shows like Grimm and other others that have uh, gone on Fridays, Fringe as being one of them, um, has shown that, you know, there is a strong populace of people that will be watching on Fridays. So it's pretty amazing to me that over the years, television watching, at least for me, has gone from being a Monday through Friday swing to where I'm watching most of my television is between Friday and Tuesday.
0: The uh, the biggest factor lately on ratings that I've noticed and Nielsen even has started, you know, tracking and rating him now is not only the DVR watches and views, but the online watches on views and things like Hulu, uh, CBS.com, you know, or whatever. And it's really, it's starting to really make an appreciable, you know, mark in the ratings. I mean, fewer and fewer people are like, oh, Friday night at nine o'clock, I have to be home to watch my show, you know, but they'll DVR it and watch it later. And those ratings, you know, like like I just said, added two two whole points to Gotham, you know, for the three-day watch and the DVR span. So, I mean, the way we watch TV is fundamentally changing. So, like, as far as, you know, having, you know, one a night of television or whatever, I mean, it's kind of... It's going to mean less and less to some, you know, to people who you know grew up using DVRs and video on demand.
2: Oh yeah, my uh, uh, my kids, you know, are you know twelve and seven. Um, hi Zoe, hi Sage. Uh, they still to this day, uh, they'll look at me and, and Sage will say, "Fast forward the commercials, Daddy." I go, "I can't. We're watching this live," and it, it's still shocking to the kids. Live? What What do you mean we can't? Fast forward, rewind. I mean, you can rewind, but uh, um, you mean we're stuck watching this? Uh, you know, you know, is right. it's airing it? It's like, yeah, kids. Uh, that's that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, and I'm uh, that, that's another thing. Uh, speaking of the kids, is I watched the uh, the first episode, thinking to myself, this is cool. I'm gonna watch this, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna reconnoiter. I'm gonna scout the scene out. And uh, when I'm done with it, uh, I'm going to uh, gather the kids around and say, hey, sit down, let's watch Gotham. <laughs> and it didn't take long into the first episode where I said, no, nope. <laughs> this, this, the uh, kids are, the, the kids could catch up with this. I would probably let Zoe, the you know, my 12 my year old, watch this. Uh, I I don't think, uh, I you know, I. I don't think you'd have to call uh, Child protective Services on me if I let Sage watch it. He's a pretty bright kid. Well, I mean, the violence level is pretty high. Yeah, I've got to the point where I, I watch... Well, it is TV-14, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, uh, it is... Uh, yeah, it is TV-14. That's exactly right. Um, but, um, and yeah, that 14 is probably... That's probably right about at the mark, you know? Yeah. Um, I would, uh, I would let, uh, my daughter watch it. You know, I would be more comfortable if she was a couple of years older, which would make her 14, so bang. Uh, I guess, uh, Jack Valenti and company nailed it, or whoever does the ratings for TV shows these days. As mature as it was, uh, I guess if it had, you know, if it actually had Batman or superheroes in it, it makes me wonder if they would, you know, have to tone it down a little bit, because, um, you know, Arrow's first season, um, you know, we watched uh, the first season. Uh, Zoe and I did off Netflix, and we burned through it pretty quickly. We we didn't binge watch it, but we 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 ran through it in just a, a couple of weeks. And uh, I was always surprised every time that, oh my God, he actually shot someone with his arrow. That <laughs> arrow was like. Like, that arrow's through that guy's shoulder or arm or whatever, you know? It's like, he's actually shooting people. It's like, if, that's what, <laughs> it's not the boxing glove arrow? It's not the sleeping gas arrow? It's not the, you know, the electric not shock sure. arrow? No, he's shooting people with arrows, you know? <laughs> it is
1: kind of funny that there was a lot of feedback on Arrow about that after season one and that they kind of address yeah. it in season two. Uh,
2: well, and that's exa- you know, I mean, it, it says in the opening, uh, in the open for season two, he, his little monologue, you know, is that, you know, basically, hey, I decided that, you know, I had to be, you know, I, I couldn't be a vigilante and I had to be better than them. And so I've decided I can't kill anymore. And it's like, wow, okay, uh, um, all right. So we're, we're veering closer to the, the comic book legend than just the uh, kind of the, the, the dark, you know, he, he went from being the Dark Knight to being more, you know, the Oliver North Oliver we, uh, we know and love, who's uh, Oliver North is um, a villain, yeah. not a yeah, hero. this <laughs> Oliver North. I'm uh, sorry. Dang. Wow. I'm sorry. I was. I've been thinking. I ran Contra all day. I just got mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, I I thought you said North, and I was Where like, Where did, did he come from? <laughs> he couldn't have said North. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'd like to apologize in the '80s for
2: that. Um, that dates me. But uh, but yeah you know. Uh,
1: no, I'd rather yeah. have Oliver North one apologize ones. to thank the you. Ages, Thank you,
2: thank you. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. Hey, I've got one. I've got one last question. I don't know how close we are to uh, to ending this uh, uh, th- this fine bit of podcasting. Donald Logue's, uh Logue's uh, character uh, Bullock, Harvey Bullock. Um, he isn't the one and uh, uh somewhere uh Brad Milo is about to start pounding the dashboard of his car if he's listening but uh in Final Crisis uh who was the corrupt detective that ended up um becoming dark side uh, he that was Dan Turpin yeah he got planted with the, with the seed of Dan Turpin okay okay that was Mel okay yeah. that was Turpin all right I, I I could not remember and I haven't gone to pull my nah, out I, yet. allow me to throw um, a tangent
0: on you are you ready that character was created. That character oh, was yes. created originally for the uh, Superman animated series, and it was created by Bruce Tim, and Paul Dini, as a as a tribute to Jack Kirby. And he's the first character to die on the Superman animated series in the first or the second episode of the apocalypse. Now the big apocalypse crossover um, with Superman in the animated oh, series. Wow. He's the first one to actually die on screen, and he was based on Jack Kirby. He was a tribute uh, by Dini and, and Tim. Okay, now you're
2: talking right about, about
0: Dan here, okay. Turpin. Okay, okay. Yeah. There's wow. some bar trivia. I believe me, night. Bill and I get together, yeah, we can news... be all night on trivia, man. It's, it's not even funny. We got a little bit of news to uh, go through, yeah. and then we'll be all done. <laughs> um, our first uh, yeah. bit of news is that we got Matt Nabel cast as Rachel Ghoul Ghul in the upcoming season of Arrow, uh, season three. He's an Australian actor. He's in the uh, Mafia TV series Underbelly. He was in the last Riddick movie as well. Um. We're not sure when we're gonna see him in the uh, in the series but he's definitely been cast in Ra Ghoul will definitely be casting his League of assassins type shadow over the all the proceedings um, The flash uh, and arrow debut on October uh, 7th and on these on the next day after the uh, debut of the two uh, we were getting season two in its entirety of Arrow on Netflix. Oh, So the nice. day after the okay. premiere of, of Arrow, you that's can fantastic. catch up on all the all of season two of Netflix, all 22 episodes. We'll be streaming on Netflix. And I think it was because they were late with the Blu-ray release. I think that's why they waited until now to do this. But to whet your appetite, this week, okay. um, before the release of the, the Flash pilot and the season premiere of Arrow, they're re-showing the two-episode uh, uh, introduction of Barry Allen, uh, those uh, episodes of Arrow. So if you want to watch that on CW to get get caught back up with uh, with the Flash and whatnot, you can do that as well. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention about Arrow that was in the news this week, uh, executive producer Mark Guggenheim said and Jonah Wheeland uh, told Jonah Whelan that they are going to uh, return the show to a more grounded feel and they're going to have very few superpowers in Arrow and they're going to try to like re- relegate that to more of the Flash show. So to kind of differentiate itself from the Flash show, they're going to have very limited, or very small, or not really too many superpowers going on, yeah, which is interesting. I, think that's a smart I play. do too, but it's weird that they just cast uh, Brandon Routh as Ray Palmer, and now they're making this this thing about like, oh no, we're not going to have any superpowers. Yeah, you just cast you just cast what? the Atom. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens with the season, but that that is out there as well, and um, the. The reshoots are done, the editing is done, and the final version of the new Constantine pilot is ready to go. It is not going to be broadcast until October 21st, but it is done. It is uh, in the can, as they were. All the reshoots are finished. So we'll.
1: Now, would you really consider Black Adam super-powered or, or magic-powered?
0: Yes. <laughs> well, I don't see why they have to be mutually okay. exclusive. I mean, he has superpowers. Well, no, but magic, I'm just saying... You know?
1: uh, I'm just saying they could, you know, you know, just just legit, uh, you know.
0: You think they're going to bring Black Adam into Arrow? I mean, I don't know about that. What? Uh, That'd it, <laughs> be like, I don't know, Marvel's Daredevil show having, like, uh, Thor show up. You know what I mean? It's just kind of incongruous. You
1: know? <laughs> I'm the fanboy that wants everything I can get.
0: Yeah, I know. It's okay. It's okay to want wow. everything yet.
1: Well, there's yeah. a uh, there's a chance
2: that I, I might have seen the uh, the Flash uh, pilot already. I, I've but, already uh, seen. It. I'm I'm freaking jazzed. I that, the uh, final, all I'm sa- gonna
0: say is the final newspaper and that final scene. If that doesn't if that okay. doesn't get your fanboy uh, juices flowing, nothing will, man.
2: I'm gonna have to go back and uh, rewatch. Uh, but at uh, the I, very I very sa-
0: end, Tom Cavanaugh goes into a special place. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to okay. give it away because Chub hasn't Chub- Chub- seen it.
1: Right. Yeah, I right. haven't seen it,
0: so... Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it. I mean, yeah, the, the Flash pilot is incredible. And I, I saw the Constantine pilot, too, the original version, and I don't know why they reshot it, because it was really, really good as well. So, I'm, I'm looking forward okay. to all these shows this season. I'm pretty excited.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen that either yet. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But, man, I, uh, um, you know, welcome, uh, Golden Age. It's, like, it's uh, too bad we don't have the wire in Breaking Bad to uh, uh, keep us... Uh, keep us warm at night but uh you know what you know maybe this whole superhero thing is uh they're gonna do it well enough that uh, it'll infect the uh the the tv world uh just as uh, much as it has the uh the, the movie world and um that'll be
1: that'll be a good thing if man. they're
0: good if they're good shows why not you know yeah um one- yeah yeah
1: I, I would just love to jump into a DeLorean or a TARDIS or an H.G. Wells time machine, go back to the 13-year-old me and tell me, the 13-year-old me, guess what, you're going to have all these comic book movies and TV shows and, and you, all this other stuff. And, and I just, I, I, I wish I could go back and tell myself that, to, to, to be looking forward to this, because this is the age of the geek. This is a nerd paradise right now in
2: entertainment. Yeah,
0: pretty much. Oh, my pretty gosh. Much so. could,
2: but could you imagine if you, I mean, for me, I'm in my mid-40s. Uh, if I had gone back to my 13-year-old self, I would have said, hey, just hold on, man. You're going to have, you know, the Avengers movie is going to be one of the kick-assest uh, action movies ever released. And there's going to be this whole, there's going to be franchises, and they're doing the X-Men, and you know they've got the Flash and you know Green Arrow on TV, and these are all you know really darn good shows. Here's the catch: you have to wait till you're uh, 40 before any of this stuff starts rolling out.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, like, so I'm 13. Wait a minute, I got to wait till I'm 40 before uh, this stuff starts uh, playing out. All right, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if thirteen-year-old me could have taken you're it. Still
0: around to see it, man. Yeah. You know, oh my gosh! Still around yes. to see it. I mean, I, I never thought this would happen. I mean, watching the old Incredible Hulk show and, um, you know, Rex oh, yeah. Smith as Daredevil, you know, making a guest appearance was all I could hope for. You know, I mean, now, now, look like what we've got. We've got you know a plethora of of, of stuff. Um, real quick, just, uh, one, one more bit of news and then we'll get to the animation corner and then we'll be done. There are some featurettes that have popped up on YouTube on the Gotham channel, uh, that are pretty interesting and cool that are, are spoiler free, but they have kind of some, uh, st- stuff that hasn't been really revealed yet on the show and some kind of contextual stuff about, um, Alfred Pennyworth and about, uh, Selena Kyle. So if you want to check those out, you want a little more, you know, than what they've given you in the show or a little you know, background action or whatever. They're, they're worth checking out. They're kind of cool. So it's not, it's Excellent. It I, uh, I,
2: I rarely supplement my TV watching with, uh, extras on the internets. Um, but, uh, I will uh, have to make an exception because yeah, I, I want to know more.
0: Sweet. Okay. And every episode uh, we, uh, go over one of, uh, wonderful DC animated, uh, things that have happened or things that are going on. Uh, I would like to mention this week, because we got all the um, DC Comics all had variant covers done by Darwin Cook uh, last week, which I don't know if you guys saw any of them. Some of them are pretty sweet. They had like the original Teen Titans as like a 60s rock and roll band, and uh, it was basically Darwin Cook doing the whole DC Universe as covers. Um, I, oh, that's I cool. hope they release I, I, I hope they release them separately as a book, because I would love to just have those. I'm a big fan of Cook's work. But one of uh, the best DC animation adaptations, and Darwin Cook himself even said so after it was done, is uh, the the Dinian and Tim produced uh, Final Frontier uh, animated feature uh, based on Darwin Cook's The Final Frontier graphic novel.
1: Uh, totally. If you haven't
0: agree. seen it, I think it's probably one. Of, it's probably my favorite Green Lantern story of all time, uh, and it's this is really well told. Uh, it just really has that kind of. If you, all, if you wondered what the whole hubbub was about Silver Age uh, DC, this kind of encapsulates it in, in a really artistic and cool way. Uh, the art is by Darwin Cook, so you know it's immaculate and beautiful. Uh, the story is just like a love letter to that period of DC continuity. Um, you got the, you know, everybody from that period of time it appears in the, in the animation, and the animation is all um, uh, taken from Cook's original work, so it definitely has that Darwin Cook style, Darwin Cook art look to it. Um, it's one of my favorite DC animated movies that they, they've they yet to put out. And, uh, if, if you're a fan of Darwin Cook, or if you got some of those coupons, they're wondering coupons, if you got some of those covers and you're wondering what the deal was, who the, who this guy is and where he came from and all that good stuff, then, uh, you definitely want to check out the new frontier, uh, DC animated feature. Yeah. I I picked up
1: a few of those covers and they are sweet. And um I, I have to say the final that that the new frontier I mean what when I watch I actually watched that before I got a chance to mm-hmm. read it and it it just it reminded me of why I got into comic books and comic book characters in the 70s you know it just it, it had even though it was a little bit earlier age than that as far as the the feeling of it it just, you know, these were the comics that were my dad's that I, I I inherited and and picked up and read. But yeah, that that's why I felt. You know, I mean, it's just those characters. It it, it it like you said, Jim. It just harkens back to a time period that that we don't have in the comics nowadays. And 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 it's also I I, I hope that that you know the younger generation watching those watching that now, it, it inspires them to go back and pick up and look at some of the old. Uh, um, Silver Age comics, because there were some, I mean, while there were some campy, ridiculous storylines going on in comic books at the time, there was also some very good, you know, heartwarming, sometimes lesson learning uh, story arcs and stories going on that we don't have today. So, right. yeah. And Darwin Cook, I mean, his work, I mean, I. he also, I mean, his art. He did art for uh, Wizards of the Coast at one point, uh, you know, for Dungeons and Dragons and some other things as well. And, I mean, everything that he's done has just been amazing.
0: Oh, yeah. His run on the Spirit for DC was incredible. His Minutemen miniseries in the Before Watchmen event was just a, it was the, be- the highlight of the event. He just, yeah, you're right. Everything he does is just really, really great. And this is no exception. Like I said, even if you were listening to the commentary track on the DVD um darwin cook like talks about it and he talks about like how some of the choices they made in the animated movie were choices he probably would have made if he'd gone back and re-edited the book again you know i mean or 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 there were there were smart choices that he really enjoyed himself so it's uh you know it's a win-win it's you know it's a great graphic novel adapted into a great animated feature and uh that's my animation pick for the week okay uh if you nice. if uh if you would like to uh, get a hold of us on the DC TV podcast uh, it's pretty easy to do so the easiest way to get a hold of us is through our facebook group DC TV podcast um become a member drop us a line drop us a post tell us what you think of the show tell us what you think about gotham so far tell us what you think about the podcast tell us what your favorite dc animated feature is and you know we might feature it on a future episode um uh, the 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 empty chair, as I as I like to say to myself when I start this show, the empty chair of this podcast is you. So please, you know, contribute to the group and let us know uh, what you'd like to hear more of and what you'd like to hear less of. We're part of the HHWLOD podcast network, very strong and proud uh, network of twelve shows right now, including the Godfathers, Frank, Bill, and Brad, half hour wasted, allegedly uh, <laughs> coming out <laughs> periodically to a podcasting device near you, the Podfathers. Um, the Podfathers, they well, are the Luke Wilson and, and Will Ferrell in our old version of old school that we've got going on here. So, and well, I I'm keep blue. Telling
2: them, um, <laughs> nice, I, <laughs> you're my boy, blue. I think we're very close to the same age, Jim. Um, I, I keep telling him, okay, next episode uh, we're talking uh, uh, Teen Titans Go, maybe the greatest cartoon in television history. And maybe that's why we haven't recorded an episode in six weeks.
0: Half-hour wasted. And you can check out Chub Toad on several of our shows, including The the Long Box of Doom, DC TV podcast, The Walking Dead TV podcast, and a lot of our other shows. If you enjoy the uh, Marvel television shows, we got you covered there, too, with a podcast called It's All Connected, the Marvel Movie Universe podcast, which not only covers all the Marvel Movie uh, Universe, but also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Marvel TV show that is uh, tied to them. So, uh, you want to check that out as well. And thank you for your time. And thank you, gentlemen, for joining me this evening.
2: Enjoyed it. My evil twin, it's always a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. And uh, we, will t- we will talk to you next week about the third episode of Gotham and the premiere of The Flash and the th- season three of Arrow. So, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week on the DCTV podcast. Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. Bye bye.